0: Welcome back to another hour of Scott Shower. I am Noah. I'm Jesse. All right. Hopefully, everyone had another wonderful week. Um, I am going to do a quick apology once again uh, because I was still a little bit ill last week, uh, so there was another late, a uh, late deployment of our uh, episode sixty-seven. <clears throat> so hopefully, you guys will be able to find that there on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, and uh, Podbean. Um, Uh, This week, though, uh, hopefully everyone had a great week. I actually feel a lot better. Hopefully I sound better. Uh, I don't think I have that super deep voice anymore. I mean, the ladies (laughs) might have liked it. You might
1: start to miss it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, this week uh, we went to uh, Casa Vallarta for our restaurant. That will be our restaurant review. Our our lovely uh, scotch of the week is Aberfeldy 12-year. And there's a reason behind the gold box and everything like that. So that I, there is. I, and we'll we'll discuss that here in a moment. Uh then we have our uh shout outs and uh, get it togethers and then our um smarter, smarter challenge. Smarter challenge. Which is uh on Mission Impossible, the best of, right? The best of Mission Impossible. About to leave already packing come with me i'm not really asking we'll get away
1: to- all right so here we have the alberfeldi 12 year uh and Forty percent ABV Highland single malt Scotch whiskey, nestled there in uh, well in the Highlands, um, and uh, you know one of the reasons I think they celebrated this golden box here uh, was because of where they source their water is uh, considered very high in gold content. Um, so forged in the gold laced waters of the Patilny Barn. The bottle itself. Diluvian gold, right? Yeah. The bottle itself. Handsome bottle. A <laughs> little squeaky. Uh, sounds like you're killing it someone. Sounds like grandma just fell over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we got ran over by a reindeer. <laughs> That's
1: right. All right. So guaranteed 12 years. Um, I like the black and gold. The label... Uh, the container well done normally it does come in a black canister a black tube Uh, but with this special edition they did do the gold box and uh, man it's going to be an interesting scotch Uh, Bacardi being the owner currently of it and what it's known for is being a big piece of the Dewar's branded blended scotch as it was originally founded in 1896 and the original distillery built two years later 1898 by um, the founder Thomas Dewar or the first Baron Dewar
0: yeah and that was uh you said
1: 1898 right uh, that's when he was building the distillery founded it the name in 1896. okay yeah because i
0: have a construction sorry 98 and then they went into production in 99 1899.
1: it's amazing how they could build a distillery in a year back then with no technology <laughs> and now they can't uh, build an oil refinery in a decade right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, also, another thing to note here is uh, 1972, that's when they had their first major uh, expansion to meet up with the demand of scotch. I think we talked about it before in one of our other episodes. Um, in the 70s, there's like a huge, uh, I guess a, that's when like, there's a big uh, explosion into the world of scotch. Yeah. And then I think it happened again in the 2000s, right? There's another big, uh, big demand for it then. Um. Let's see here And then in 2000 The old malting building uh, Was turned into the uh, Dewar's World of Whiskey
1: World of Whiskey
0: And that was there for the visitors To come visit Um The only other information I have here Is on their tours But I'm not sure if you have something else You want to say it looked like you did No
1: I'd say go start with the tours I'll start the pour
0: Alright so ooh, That sounded nice
1: Smells nice what she said <laughs>
0: so. They actually have a ton of different types of tours that you could do. Um, the basic one starts off at, ru- at uh, roughly $15, that's just a regular distillery tour. Uh, you only get one tasting though on that one, but then their next step up is the cask tour, and you get two tastings, and that's about $25. Then they go to uh for about $30. You're looking at the whiskey and chocolate tour so there you get a taste three different uh you get uh, three different tastings paired with chocolate then the next step up for 30 about 35 dollars is uh the connoisseurs uh tour and there you also get a a complimentary complimentary glass and um uh, then they also have what's called the uh whiskey and donut tour which is uh, about 25 and then they also have the be a good donut <laughs> then they have these uh two called the uh last order there's like the regular last order and then there's the dna one and those are both uh, about 30 us dollars usd and what they really have here which i think would actually be really cool to do is they have what's called the uh i'm not sure it's w set or west set uh but uh, they have a level one and a level two it's a spirits course and the spirit course is a one day uh, if you do level one it's a one day thing and it costs about well it says 170 uh, gbp so that's 170 uh great british pound so i'm assuming that's going to be pretty close to about about 180 190 roughly I mean, the dollar is strong right
1: now. shouldn't be, but it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the one that would be really cool is a two-and-a-half-day a two one, um, and that's the West at level two. And then they've received awards for this, but like, they kind of break you. You go into a class, and you kind of break down like all different types of uh, spirits and stuff, and that one is 440 Great British Bounds. So that one you're probably looking at closer to like maybe $500-ish range um which looks like it's pretty cool like a lot of people will rave about that class
1: i'd imagine it's a lot of fun yeah i would imagine it would be chemistry always is <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right oh yeah
0: see i i think it holds true to their to their water pool that Eluvian, of that alluvian of that alluvian gold there yeah all right cheers cheers warp speed time Uh, another one I question why we waited so long to uh, <laughs> to review here on our show. Um, this twelve year old from uh, Adderfeldy, is that how you pronounce it?
1: Aberfeldy, yeah.
0: uh, uh, Aberfeldy, um,
1: Aberfeldy. It has a. Uh,
0: I think it. I I think the makers um, held true to kind of like the the lore or the historic uh, points of view of uh of the of the distillery with their water pool um which i have noted down as being the uh the water uh, the water source being called the pool of the water god because nice. of the gold in there but uh the color of it uh does have that nice golden color to it um it's like kind of that more of that uh, darker brassy side that i uh, that i do like in the color of my scotches um and uh, the one thing I noticed here that typically with some of these like like uh, more golden or darker brassy type of uh, Scotch is they tend to be a little bit heavier not like heavy heavy or anything like that But tend to have a little bit more body to it. But this one has like a really light body to it and I think the color from what you see from the color to what you get, like in the uh, the way of the the way it feels in your mouth, is uh, not what I expected because I expected it to be a little bit heavier, <laughs> That's and, what it was, and it was uh, definitely a lighter feel. Um, as far as the uh, the bouquet goes here, I got um, peaches and cream with uh, like some hints of uh, citrus, and I'm, i and I'm going a little bit more like the grapefruit type. Of citrus, but, um, everything about this, uh, about this scotch is all about like nuances. It's not like, not any one thing really is super pronounced about it. Um like you know, some of the like the one last week, like it was like nothing, it was like a vanilla bomb. It's like vanilla, 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 vanilla. This one right here is you're getting like hints here, hints there. It's just like a slight nuance there and a slight nuance there. And it has nice complexity to it because of all those. Um so I'm getting like light nuances of like citrus fruits, vanilla, uh, peat and honey um yeah, on my palate there. And then when it comes to my finish, it, I have uh, once again nuances of like ginger and citrus uh, zest, and uh, it's the ginger is not spicy or anything like that. Like I said, it's, the, everything about this is just like has slight nuances here, and uh, and and so it's, it's kind of very, it's light. And I think you made a comment um, while we were off. Uh, when uh, you said, like, this would be good with fruit or something like that. And it would be. This is, like, something great for the summertime. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want, like, a nice scotch to drink during the summertime, uh, you know, you want something that has, like, a a great flavor to it um, that tastes a little bit refreshing and light uh, for a scotch, I think this is your your guy. And, uh, yeah, I definitely would take – I would share this one uh, at a poker game or something like that. Um, I w- I'd be more willing to share this one than maybe some of the last <laughs> few that we've had. And that's not a bad thing. This I just think this one just has like that. I think this one is one that I think more people would appreciate as to where some of the other ones, you know, I think you have to be a little bit more of a, a scotch drinker to appreciate.
1: Yeah. Limited bottling. Don't know how limited their version of limited is, <laughs> but the number 2805 for whatever bottling source they are. Yeah, it's a uh, man. This scotch is fun. And there are some scotches that are serious. And when I say this scotch is fun, this is not to me a tuxedo scotch. It's not a Dalmore fifteen. It's not on the Edition six. The Macallan Edition six. The Dalmore fifteen. The Dalmor cigar mold. Like those to me are tuxedo or suit wearing scotches. You're dressing up. You're looking sexy, uh, or even a Talisker like ah, To me, you're dressing up. Uh, to this, um, I, you know, it's funny because. I feel like my Yacht Club outfit here is perfect for this scotch. You're out on a yacht drinking this. It's roughly around $50 a bottle. So as you're hitting the waves, you're not worried if you spill just a little bit, but you're still enjoying it. Um, Great summer fun. The color, they nailed it. Gold. I mean, that is the color you get from this scotch. On the nose, fresh is the first thing. It is summer. It is fun, fruity. Um, for me, the fruits that are coming through, I didn't get it till you mentioned it, but I do get that little bit of that grapefruit, a hint of grapefruit. Um, I'm getting a hint of orange, some really good pear and green apple. But I think the pleasant one, the fun one for me is the pear because that is just a great crisp, a ripe pear, a great crisp summer taste. Um, and then... Uh, on the the nose and as it ultimately transcends to the palate with the same flavors. A local, and I don't know how else to say it besides a great full-bodied honey, local honey, with that hint of clove that only comes great with fresh honey. Um, not like the store-bought generic stuff. I'm talking about the good stuff. Um, it's it's great, and the finish is long, and in that at the tail end of that finish when you're getting these, for me, honeyed fruits, um, you get the hint of oak. And for me, that's a great dry finish, great dry, long finish, um, a lot of fun, um, sweet Spice just a little bit um, in the middle of the palette, there of what would be like a a dash of nutmeg, Um, just a little bit, um, uh, but a nice. A fairly creamy scotch throughout until you get to the end there with that dry oaky honeyed flavor. Um, for me, a lot of fun when I take it. Uh, yeah man this is this is a great barbecue scotch. It's a great uh, poker night scotch. It's uh, it would be a lot of fun just to go get together with some friends, have uh, a charcuterie board or two and some fresh cut fruits and go to town with the fruits and the scotch. Keep it healthy.
0: <laughs> I I don't I, I agree. I agree. I second that. Mm. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about it?
1: Um, no, it's a lot of fun though. It is uh it, it is fresh at the front, dry at the back, and uh, great creamy delicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the, it's the hair version of a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> All business up
1: front and party in the back. That's right. That's that's exactly what it is. It is. I do like the top. We were mentioning last week how we wish they would do more uh, burning or engraving into these wooden tops, but it's got a great gold and black wooden top. Um, Feels like a manly scotch. Feels like a bottle. What you know?
0: And once again, I think they hold true to their to their uh, mantra about the gold from the water and stuff like that. And I think you mentioned this before, one of our other episodes too, like a lot of these distilleries, they, they do
1: highlight their water source. Yeah. This one, the Patilly burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure about the burn part of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's time for oh, our The world in action, where we can
0: be, live with no distractions, we'll get over.
1: For me, man, this is this going to be, I think, the rest of this F1 season at this rate. My uh, shout-out really goes to Verstappen once again, holding off the rest of the Formula 1 lineup and uh, securing his victory uh, at the Canadian Grand Prix. Didn't let the Wall of Champions take him out during the race. So great job, Verstappen. Uh, Red Bull, and we're not supposed to say Honda for whatever reason, but as is continuing to be the case, Honda. Why aren't we trying to get away from these, like, super technology, gas-powered cars and engines? I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) But uh, you know what? We're stopping. Uh, If anyone doubted you last year with a very um, last-second victory, uh, the doubt has to start to fade now. Like, it's obvious you are a champion driver. So, congrats
0: uh my shout out is actually uh i don't know i'm gonna kind of give a, a shout out to chris carter uh the writer and director uh, uh and creator of the uh of the x-files all right um i've been on my x-files kicks so i've been watching a lot of the x-files again uh this is probably like my second or third time through the x-files seasons um i i find them to be like a, a really it's like a really fun series uh, It has like you know, especially since I'm more of a, I do like, you know, the conspiracy type of stuff. So it kind of like, it, it, it captures the, the governmental conspiracies, it captures the UFOs. Then they have like their monster of the week, uh, uh, uh you know, that they used to do. I like, guess I think it was like once a month they had a monster of the week, uh, episode. And then, um, you know, when you watch it, you can tell it's a little bit dated now, um, but they had like a, a lot of great stories. If you watch some of these some of these episodes and I know I mentioned it to you a couple of times, but there's some of the episodes you're like, wow, that still relates to what's going on in today's times. And and uh, some of you are like, how do they know about this stuff so far in advance? And it's 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 quite interesting. Um, but I think the acting is still pretty good with, you know, David Duchovny and. Um, oh, I forget uh, who plays
1: uh Scully the red-headed lady um you know as a kid i thought she was so hot and then that all stopped one day <laughs>
0: <laughs> she still looks pretty good she looked pretty decent in her uh in her um uh, tv series that she had on netflix uh, where she had us and that was kind of like a sex advisor <laughs> it's it's kind of a messed up show but it was a, it's a fun show uh any case uh yeah i just want to give them a shout out i think uh they they uh that series is still a great series.
1: Yeah. David Duchovny did do a good job being the conspiracy-minded FBI agent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I just got done watching one uh, last, it was either last night or the night before uh, where they uh, were Mulder and Scully. Uh, uh, they pretend to be a husband and wife in a, uh, in a Covenant um, neighborhood. And uh, they, uh, this neighborhood, they uh, made like a, basically like a mud golem type of thing that would go around killing the, uh, <laughs> killing the neighbors that violated their, uh, uh, their homeowner association rules and stuff. <laughs> so it was a, uh, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun one to watch. Cause uh, you know, he's like joking around with Scully going like, Hey woman, make me a sandwich <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> we all know in real life, Jillian Anderson, Jillian Anderson doesn't dances. put up with any of that. Right. She goes home to her wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what ruined it for me as a kid. Like, oh, she doesn't like guys. I don't have a chance. Yeah, that stop being interested. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't become one of these people who becomes infatuated. Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, once again, that's, that's my shout out.
1: All right, get it together. Yeah, you got to get it. Oh, my God. Why is it always Biden, right? If you can't ride a bike, fall (laughs) off it. But, uh, uh, man, this past week when he got on there and did his conference, his his little uh, two minutes of fame for the week, and he's like, we understand that America is worried about the possibility of inflation. It's not possible. It's happening. It's literally happening. (laughs) It's going on. Like, get it together and just start really moving on. Like, oh, man, it's killing me. So to go along with that, Madeline Albright, who is (laughs) the
0: secretary of the treasury, she talks about how she doesn't think we're going to go
1: into a recession.
0: Yeah. What? We're already in a recession. We've been in a recession. We're probably in a depression at this point. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, no, the the gross domestic product and all of our sales and everything, they're going to keep growing the next two quarters. They're already down. Look at Ford. If you just want one example, they should be thriving more than anyone with their uh, first electric F-150 just coming off the line and having sold. And now they're like, we're making $0 off our Mustang Mach-E car and the truck is basically following suit it's like okay so what are you saying here production's down sales are down costs are up but you've already got sticker prices you're still holding true to uh a plus b equals c meaning recession (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just think it's funny how
0: the, the the administration top to bottom of it they you know they talk about like how everything is like transitional or transitory or it's like, I don't think they know their hand from their ass at this point. I mean, they just basically like they're talking about like we're in
1: the best economy ever. That's bullshit. I mean, (laughs) hand and ass. If you're talking about Biden, they're both Brown at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously the Pope got firsthand knowledge of that. Oh, hey. Hey,
0: apparently the uh, I'm not sure if you heard this, but the uh the rumor there in Vatican City is the pope is getting ready to resign.
1: I don't doubt it for a second. Who wants to be part of this world at a leadership <laughs> level that if you if you can't really like if you don't got the gumption, if you don't got the testicular fortitude at this point, yeah, you should probably move over. <laughs> uh We need a president like, I don't know, maybe Trump or John Wick. Take your pick. (laughs) (laughs) John Wick would be interesting. I'm not sure how we would end up after that. I mean, the war in Russia would be over. Uh, I mean. (laughs) Because it's not really in Russia. The war in Ukraine would be over. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty much over. I don't think so.
0: Um. I I, I I don't know. I I, I pretty much believe it, it is over. It's basically a proxy war, and the Ukrainians aren't going to give up until the U.S. finally says, yeah, we're done. I mean, um, we
1: backed out of Afghanistan. Did, did they forget about that, this little teeny
0: country? Well, I think there's a difference. I think there's a big difference. One, I don't think, A, we had 48 bioweapon laboratories there in Afghanistan like we do in the ukraine and b i don't think the uh, democrats were using afghanistan as a uh, money money laundering and uh human trafficking zone as they are right now uh, with ukraine uh so um and if you guys don't believe me just go research it you'll, you'll find that information they they are laundering the money they are there's a ton of human human trafficking going on there and there's obviously the whole um the Nazis, uh there at the Aslov battalion and stuff.
1: Yeah, I just got to really emphasize, when did fake news become old news? As in, it's real news, but no longer fake news, but now we accept it as far as the biolabs. Oh, no, no, that's just that's just make-believe. That's the conspiracy people saying there were bio labs in Ukraine that the U.S. put there and was working. Nah, that's all just a conspiracy. And now it's like, okay, we waited long enough, tell them it's real, and they won't even care anymore. And most of America doesn't. They're just like, oh... That old we've already heard that. Like, <laughs> did you? Do you remember that we used alien technology to combat COVID? Well, you know,
0: it was even shown in. Um, I think it was a Daily Camera, maybe
1: uh, it was a it was a British
0: newspaper. But uh, in twenty twenty, uh, the so called uh, conspiracy people were saying like, how with the uh, with the jab that it was a means for them to put tracking. Um, um, tracking devices inside of you or a tracking chip and then in 2022 there's a report that came out saying like there is tracking uh, chips in them uh, in the jab so it's it's kind of funny how it, it goes from like being like people being uh you know the fake news saying like oh that's a conspiracy you don't believe those people and then they get kicked off and banned off of social media and all of a sudden a year or two later it's like oh it is true So it's the Chinese flu. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. So um, enough uh, of of that, I guess. Uh, But and, you know, Biden, the people who voted for Biden, get it together. I'm just going to say that you guys owe me some money at this point.
1: Yeah, just pay for the portion of gas and everything else that's gone up for me. You know, the average American apparently, according to studies show, the average American uh, is making 5% more now than they were 18 months ago. So 5%. However, they've also acknowledged that inflation is up higher than, but at least acknowledged at 8.6%, meaning you're actually down 3.6% because of the inflation and the cost of living, even though you got a 5% raise. Yeah, true income is definitely down spending power is lost. Restaurant
0: we went to Casa Vallarta is that what Casa Viarta. All right. Arriba! Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't really check out the whole inside of the place. I guess I'll go first, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I didn't really check out the whole inside of the place, but we did go into the onto the back patio and have dinner there. And the back patio area seemed pretty nice. They had some TVs up there so you could watch the uh, the uh, Avalanche uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Um, too bad the Avalanche uh, were losing uh, at the time that we left. Um, the The uh, bus boy guy or whatever, I'm not sure what he is, uh, but he, the guy who comes around who does like the whole chips and salsa stuff, he was Mr. Johnny on the spot. He was there right away with our chips and salsa, and he took our drink orders right away and got our drinks out, so pretty quickly. Um, That was pretty nice. Um, For dinner, I got the uh, fajita burrito, which actually was, uh, it was was a really good burrito. The steak was well done in there, uh, but the plate was huge.
1: They were big portions. Uh, They
0: were very big portions. And, um, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a a date worthy place. Like I said, I didn't really actually go inside and check out the inside. Um, but it seems like it could be a date worthy place. Uh, just sitting out there on that back patio. I think you could take a first date there. And, uh, um, I think you can meet up with friends there and watch a game. Kind of like what we were, what we were doing there. And, uh, um i don't think anything uh there really stood out i say the the beers if you order a large beer it's a large beer (laughs) so uh they're they're pretty big uh and their and their portions were pretty large so i think dollar value wise i think you get a a pretty decent uh amount of food for the amount that you pay um so the food i'll just give it like uh, i'll give it a solid seven the atmosphere there Uh, I'll give that a seven. I'm just going to give it seven straight across the board. And that's pretty much my review of the place
1: yeah it was pretty good we walked in uh another one of these restaurants I've wanted to visit for a long time it's been there a long time we're talking uh just north of Quincy on Parker road and oh man the chips and salsa and pico I thought were good not fantastic but good uh the beer was massive like that was another thing when <laughs> I can't finish my beer you know that's a damn big beer and I couldn't and it was also because I just finished my plate uh, and that was a big plate we're talking a plate like huge I had the combo number 16 so I got a chicken enchilada a ground beef taco and a crispy chile reno, uh, with black beans or refried beans actually uh, refried beans and rice the refried beans and rice were good And, uh, my crispy chili Reno was not super crispy, but the cheese was great. Uh, the, um, the, the The plate and all in all, it was all great food. Value wise, fourteen bucks. Uh, that's only a couple dollars more than I can eat at Taco Bell for. So definitely value wise, it was there. Um, the service to me wasn't bad. I think they were afraid, to, and you mentioned this, to come over back to the table and give us our bill because we had half these beers still left. Um, they were massive, and uh, with that though. Um, they haven't done a whole lot of updating or upgrading in there. Not that they necessarily needed to. Business wise, they're probably doing pretty good. Um, but. Yeah. Overall, first date there, it would not be my place for a first date. Didn't have quite enough energy for me for a first date, unless it's a lunch date and then you're going during the middle of the day sitting outside. That could be cool as hell. Uh, But otherwise, um, food value-wise was its win. Um, Food total, yeah, seven. Environment, seven. um, Service, six and a half. I wasn't crazy about the service. I would have liked them to be uh, just a little more attentive because there were plenty of them it's one of the first restaurants we went into and when i went to go look at the rest of the restaurant i was like well there's plenty of people like come and check on the table but maybe they've had other complaints where most people don't because they were all you know a lot of people were there obviously watching the abs i was not um but with that all in all yeah i'd give it a seven as well uh, definitely wouldn't hesitate to go back with a friend just not sexy Martyr Challenge, the best of Mission Impossible. So we had a lot of fun with Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick and really wanted to kind of continue this Tom Cruise kick, if you will, and look at the Mission Impossible movies. So there was a Mission Impossible TV show. You can talk about it if you want. Uh, it was a great show. First aired uh, September 17th, 1966, aired for seven seasons. Um, and when I was a, as a kid, I actually loved watching the show. I thought it was a great show but then nothing compared to the remake movies and re-watching the movies. The first one um, was a hoot. Tom Cruise does a great job. And I know you and I were talking about uh, some of the fashion in that movie and the nice wide lapeled suits. We're talking about 1996. Um, great suits, great attire. Not for everyone, apparently, because nowadays they want suits so tight you can barely breathe without showing <laughs> your ribs. Uh, but um, yeah, 1996. And and you got a uh, four years later, you got Mission Impossible 2. Then you're going to jump back or forward another six years to 2006 and you get to Mission Impossible 3. Um, fun one about that, Simon Pegg uh, is introduced and does a great job. Um, then you don't so much go to, even though it is Mission Impossible 4, but you go to um, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And oh, man. Uh, Another good action movie, but for me, uh, for 2011, it was probably my least favorite. And uh, so we've got a couple more. we got 2015 Rogue Nation, 2018 Fallout, and then next year, Dead Reckoning Part 1. And the year after, we'll assume Dead Reckoning Part 2. What are you thinking? Like for me,
0: for well, man. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother looking at the series because because you uh, mentioned it was just on the movies, so I didn't even consider looking at anything of the series wise. Um, but like the first thing, I, I kind of like, I agree with you. The first movie uh, that started off the franchise here, um, that was a lot of fun to watch. I even made the comment like uh, the uh, the the main i guess the main star female actress in that one she was a uh, definitely very beautiful like she had a very much a, like seemed almost like that kind of more of the european type of look to her but the one thing i did notice after watching the these these six movies uh it, it is six right um is that you could tell the difference from all the different directors uh the first one uh the the first director was Brian De Palma, and he did stuff like Scarface and Carlito's Way. And then after uh, after the uh, Mission Impossible, he went on to do stuff like uh, Untouchables, Snake Eyes, and Black Dahlia. So you could tell like his signature on like how he does his uh, his directing is uh, very much different from the second director, who is John Woo. And if you like the old like Hong Kong shoot 'em up type movies, Face Off. Uh, that then you would know like John Woo's style because he did the movie like a Better Tomorrow and Hard Boiled. Uh and then as you mentioned, face off. And uh if you like uh, anime he did Appleseed. Um and so John Woo is very much like uh, about like gunplay and uh using pigeons uh uh or
1: I'm not is it pigeons? Or is it dove? I think it's supposed to be a white dove, but it that, looks like a damn pigeon in the
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, he does the white dove. There's the one white dove in there that, are, that he definitely shows, but I think there's like a lot of pigeons around always, too. Uh, and then the uh, third one, um, you know, is J.J. Uh, Abrams. And when he filmed uh, that third movie, before that, he did Lost and Alias, uh, those TV series. And they were very distinct, too. And then afterwards, he went on to do the. Like the new Star Trek movies, um, Super Eight, and, and uh, Force Awakens. Um, so his, you can tell, like he's more of like a more scientific, techie type of guy, um, and uh, you can see that in, in that third, in that third movie too. And then going into the fourth movie, you know, that, that's one you didn't like, right? Which is Ghost Protocol. It's not that I didn't like or it. It was your least favorite. It was
1: my least favorite. And it's just because the way that it, it flowed throughout and, the whole movie. It just and, didn't flow well.
0: And here's probably, if you look at the director of this one, which is Brad Bird, he did he did the Incredibles movies and Ratatouille. So, I mean, you kind of like looking at like he was doing like animation movies uh, and they're kind of like fun family type of movies. And you can kind of tell the difference with ghost protocol there. It didn't have the same action. Uh, and then the last uh, director who did the last two rogue nation and fallout fallout is uh, Christopher McQuarrie. And here, get a load of this, this guy, he's done a lot. He, he's been a, like, check out the stuff that he's written. <laughs> uh, Usual suspects. Yeah. Valkyrie Tom Cruise movie. Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise movie. The Mummy, Tom Cruise movie. He also wrote Jack Reacher, and he directed Jack Reacher, Tom Cruise movie. Um, the Way of the Gun. Uh, he he uh, wrote that and directed that. And you know what else he, he also contributed to in writing? Top Gun Maverick.
1: Uh, <laughs> Hashtag and, winning.
0: <laughs> and he is also the director for the one coming up in 2023 dead so, reckoning dead reckoning and so i think there's a, a very good uh, relationship between uh christopher M- uh, mcquery and uh tom cruise there and you can tell that they work really well together because all those movies valkyrie edge of tomorrow the mummy um jack reacher the two uh, mission impossibles of uh uh fallout and um rogue nation And Top Gun Maverick; those are all great movies. They're all fun movies. Like, uh, I mean, I think that's one of those things where, you know, for even people who don't like Tom Cruise for whatever goofy reason that is, they have to like those movies. I would think they're all good movies.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that was missing in Number Four. Ghost Protocol was the tie in relationships. They weren't as firm to me as all of the others you've mentioned. And I think that that's probably one of the strengths here. You see it in Maverick. Um, You see it in Fallout. You see it in Rogue Nation. How important these characters' relationships are with each other. And I didn't get that same sense of belonging for any of the characters in Ghost Protocol i it didn't feel like a family
0: yeah and, and like and I think once again, that kind of has to do maybe a little bit with maybe the writing in there, but also with the director and how they how they shot that film and and it's not a bad film, but like you like you mentioned like uh when you look at the kind of like the uh characteristics of each of those uh those directors like I like a lot of the movies that jj abrams did i like a lot of stuff john woo did i like i like a lot of the work that brian de palma has done uh brad bird and eh, rat ratatouille is eh, okay whatever some fun family movie the, the incredibles uh that's you know an animation movie once again fun family movie but not like the other action movies
1: yeah, and if you don't know John Woo, by the way, you need to like catch up. Take a minute, go back in time. Hard boiled is where I would start. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're going to love it right off the bat, but if you don't appreciate the cinematography and what actually went into that movie for its day and age, uh, I can't help you. Like it's just, good. it is a great movie. Definitely out of date right now, but you, you go back in time, um, you know, for well, me better
0: and a better tomorrow with that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're just great movies.
0: And then, and then that also brought up the the actor Chow Yun-Fat, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, became uh, kind of a, like a shoot-em-up uh, actor in uh, some American movies after
1: uh, Hard Boiled. Yep. A great actor. He just oh, yeah. did a great job. The Replacement Killers, I think, is one of my favorite roles of his.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah.
1: right. So I've talked about my least favorite.
0: I agree. That's my least favorite as well. Um, but I, like I said, I, I'm uh, tying it
1: into the director. That's yeah. probably right. I don't think you're wrong if you look at it from that perspective. Not one that I had focused on, um, but it's a great one to consider because unlike some of the other series and movies we've watched, there have been so many different directors. It's not like Steven Spielberg or um, one of these great producers and directors that does a whole series. It was absolutely broken apart. Um, So that also makes me think, man, you got to have some really strong backing to keep a movie going, a series going that you never intended on it. Because otherwise, you probably would have had more of the same producers, um, directors. You wouldn't have been bouncing so much from one to another.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And honestly, I think the I think they did a good job settling with uh, Christopher McQuarrie because obviously there's that great relationship between him and uh and Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is probably
0: the reason why I do like Rogue Nation and Fallout, uh probably more than any of the other movies out uh that, that's in this uh in this franchise. Um, I, I did like the first one. I think the first one was kind of cool because it, it kind of introduced you to the whole series itself.
1: Reminded Um, me of us in high school.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the one, the one, one of my favorite scenes there, (laughs) and we talked about this too, is like when they go to, uh, that restaurant and it's a, you know, it's a seafood restaurant. And the other really cool part I really loved about, um about the first one is because it took place in Prague and I've been, in, I've been to Prague and I checked out like, you know, St. Charles bridge and all that stuff. And, and a lot, and I think it did a lot better job in that movie kind of showcasing a lot of the stuff, uh, uh, around that European city there than maybe in some of the other ones. Um, because they they like, they talked about there in Berlin, but they didn't really show a lot of things that you would like recognize from Berlin or some of the other um, cities that they've been to, and and I've been to you know a few European cities, and um, and I do enjoy when I can like recognize things from like places where I've been there and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. um, Man, when you start talking about that piece, uh, that's another one that was weird about number four ghost protocol to me is I didn't give two rats asses that they were in Dubai or in, oh, yeah. in, in the middle east like that i don't care that they were on at that time the climbing the tallest building in the world although i do remember saying hell no when <laughs> he throws him the gloves to go climb up uh, 11 stories up and eight stories over hell no like bye mission over <laughs> is mission impossible no mission over um but uh, again, the relationship between those characters, um, the one character that, and we talked about this briefly too, that really stood out was Sabine Moreau, played by Leah Sedou. Um, who is Daniel Craig's uh, better half, so to speak, in the last two James Bond movies. So you've got- Oh, yeah. uh, She's uh, in that fourth movie, yeah, uh, uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, No Time to Die. And um, Skyfall, not Skyfall, um, Spectre. And with that, it was interesting to see her because I think she did play her role well. I think they all did play their roles well. Um, but she was the one character that really stood out to me. Jeremy Renner did a great job with his piece and playing that. Um, and he, he, had, he brings to it. But again, the relationship building wasn't there. Um, quite the contrary spectrum, um, interestingly enough to me, from the second one by John Woo. Uh, and you brought that up. And that one in there, you could absolutely tell the importance, the significance of relationships between all of the character being rames and um tom cruise uh Thandui? i don't know if i'm per- i'm butchering that name i'm i'm sure newton um, who plays oh, Teddy
0: Tanny newton yeah um Yeah,
1: she, her character with Tom Cruise, the same thing playing Naya um, opposite Ethan Hunt. Um, Again, the importance of relationships and building those um, had a huge significance to me there.
0: Yeah, the relationship is really, you know, they show that strong relationship there in the John Woo's uh, one. Uh, They show the strong relationship there in the first one between Uh, How Ethan Hunt um, felt about his mentor, if you will, Uh, even though he found out that his mentor was the, and spoiler alert, is the bad guy, um, along with his wife. And I think also in the third movie, uh, you start to, you see some of the relationships there too. Fourth movie, it didn't, like, it, it seemed like everyone was all for themselves, really, because uh, the only ones that you really saw that kind of had, like, a tie together would be Simon Pegg with Ethan Hunt. Um, well, I, forget, I forget what Simon Pegg's character's name is. Um, uh, Benji Dunn. Benji. Yeah, Benji. Yeah. So Benji and Ethan Hunt. And, you, you, you know, you could see, like, that type of relationship between those two. But, like, the uh, the female agent, I don't remember what her name is, but she, like, was on her own mission to, uh, like, Revenge for of revenge. Rainer was on his own mission uh, because he felt bad about Ethan's wife and uh, and losing the secretary. So he was uh, he's caught up in his own issues, um, and even the bad the bad guys seemed disjointed from one another too. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't think uh, the woman from uh, the uh, James Bond series. I don't think she did a great job either in that one. I think I, I think she did a great job in, in James Bond movies. But I think in this particular movie here, I think part of it has to do with the directing and the writing. Um and with how you talked about like there's no relationships there. Yeah, that's why she played it perfectly cold. It's who she is. I don't think she played it perfectly cold. I just think it was just just bad altogether. <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, whatever. That it
1: you know. She plays a role in French Dispatch, and I think just because of her look, she always is able to play that person who's disconnected, even when you can tell um, because of other pieces of acting that she does connect with people. It's, it's very interesting.
0: Well, the one I do think did a good job, even though they had a short period, of, uh, a short time frame, and that was in that fallout, is The White Widow.
1: Uh, okay, <laughs> so here we go to the. We've. I think we've kind of broken down. Rogue Nation and Fallout are going to be our top two, right? And yes,
0: and but, I think she's super gorgeous, and she was. I mean, in the, I mean the, she was the sister in the Hobbs and Shaw. I forget her name. He told me that Vanessa name the... Kirby. Yeah,
1: Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, um, Hobbs and Shaw. Another one where she did a phenomenal job, Vanessa. If you want to come on the show, <laughs> I will make room for you. <laughs>
0: Uh, here's a really like, here's one thing I caught this time around that I didn't catch when I watched it the first time around is that she's the daughter of Max from yes. the first from the first yeah. movie.
1: Yeah, that's why it's so significant.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's really it's really minor unless you're like really kind of paying attention and, views, and as long as you've seen the first movie. But I, here's the thing: is like I probably if we didn't do this whole this whole uh, smarter challenge from the time i seen that first movie to when I saw Fallout, I probably would have forgotten about Max. And I did. Again, I'm not, not going to lie, I did. But when we re-watched all these movies, I'm like, oh, crap. I totally missed that the first time around.
1: Well, and if you pay close attention, there's whispers of Max throughout the first three movies all yeah. the time. And then all of a sudden, yes, it's the White Widow that comes out. We already know she has a uh, su- substantial role in the dead reckoning part one can't wait for that uh, but yes she did a great job again um, also if you look at the way if you get a chance or you may have already done it and really look at how she plays her role versus Max plays Max's role in the first one the facial sp- expressions are oh, the I think they're
0: like, very similar yeah. yeah
1: like they nailed it like great job uh, to your point about the director here that's done a ton with Tom Cruise I think that's what we tend to like about the Tom Cruise films um, where they've tied young Tom Cruise to old Tom Cruise is they've brought back these characters in unique ways like Penny and Maverick. Um, And that's the, again, relationships when you've got a relationship. And if you guys forgot, the original Top Gun came out 36 years ago (laughs) it came out now that's 36 years of um, time and as we're looking at 1996 to 2023 we're not talking about that much shorter of a time period for the first Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise to this next one, Dead Reckoning Part 1 and the same sort of thing though you're still seeing these ties between a character in the first movie, Tom Cruise and a villain in the First movie, Max, and the daughter of Max almost 30 years later. And,
0: and it's also kind of fun, too, when you do watch all these, like kind of almost back to back. When you get to uh, Rogue Nation and uh, they're trying to get rid of the uh, uh, Impossible Mission group, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you have uh, what's his name who plays, uh, I forget. The guy who who shot
1: someone in a Alec movie. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> uh, That's how he's always going to be a, like. Okay, we're playing charades. <laughs> Alec Baldwin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Alec Baldwin, you know, he's the head of the CIA, trying to get rid of uh, the uh, Mission Impossible uh, group there, and um, you know, he talks about like all the things, that, like the like all the past uh, missions where they talked about like mm. the. Uh, the nuclear weapon that that hits into the uh, building there in San Francisco, uh, him stealing the uh, the knock list, the CIA knock list, and that's like one, like that, that was like a huge pet peeve for him. Like that's the whole reason why he wants to get IMF shut down. Um, but it's it's just kind of cool, like uh, seeing like a lot of these nuances in these later movies. Tying back to the earlier movies.
1: Oh, yeah. And you mentioned that about Alec Baldwin in his character. Um, Alan Hunley is, is he, as he plays his role. Um, but Alec Baldwin makes the comment, Alan, makes the comment to Ethan Hunt that the reason he, he left the CIA, he, like, yeah, he left and he likes working and what he likes about and what he values, cherishes ultimately. He doesn't use that word, but you can tell about Ethan Hunt's character is that Ethan Hunt cares about the people, the individuals, not just okay, uh, how do we have the least collateral damage? No, it's like, how do I save My team. Um, How do I save the most? It's not just collateral damages. It is how do I save my wife or my ex-wife or this other spy or, um, you know, anyone that's in it and has risked their lives for him or been a a huge part of his life. And that is very substantial, again, coming down to it's about these relationships.
0: You know, this. I wonder if if, uh, Tom Cruise makes a purpose add these into his movies because you if you look at it he has he had the same type of uh mantra
1: with uh maverick with maverick yeah no i think he absolutely does i think you mentioned the director i think he absolutely has to your point a relationship with the director that is substantial enough that they bounce ideas off each other um both i'm sure superbly passionate about their works and wanting to do great things and yeah i mean so man so you got those two and for me i'll go first my favorite Mission impossible so far although i do have high hopes for this next one dead reckoning part one is fallout and it is because of Vanessa Kirby, Henry Cavill as the villain, does a great job also um, as he plays August Walker. Um, you've got, you mentioned Alec Baldwin. You've got the usual Simon Pegg. Um, Ving Rhames, you've got all these usuals and they're all in there um, but really the other piece is at the end of the day they're down to seconds um, they all risk their lives and they all risked their lives because of one person, his ex-wife, but they were all willing to risk their lives because they all had faith in him um, and you mentioned this tie to and it's so absurd but it's also absolutely undeniable, Maverick At the end of the day, all of those other pilots were willing to risk their lives for him because they believed he would lead them to their best chance at survival.
0: Yeah, and I I think uh, Vane Rames uh, tells uh, Rebecca Ferguson.
1: uh, Yes, exactly. uh, Lisa Faust. Lisa Faust.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he tells her.
1: uh, (laughs) Dude, I love it. I know where you're going
0: he t- he, t- he like he sits with her and he says like I only I've known Ethan Hunt or Tom Cruise only like two women in his lives the first one being his wife and then she's like she he's married and he's like well not anymore but he <laughs> was married uh, but then you know they they realize like you know he was always wondering like if he could have stopped something when he was with her and then she's always wondering if like uh you know
1: would he be able to save, save the, world the world when he was with her?
0: Exactly. And uh, and then he mentions to Rebecca, the other person that he cares a lot for is you. And then, you know, I think that right there is like, that was a total buy-in for her, saying like, yeah, I'm going with you to go stop these bombs.
1: Meanwhile, Dean Reims is like, walk away. Please just walk away. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> if you go, I'm going to have but, to go. But not only
0: did like... <laughs> when we look at it though, like Benji and uh, uh, Elsa, Elsa
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, they went to go stop uh, one bomb, and then uh, Vene Rames—I uh, forget what his character's name is—but um, anyways, Veen, Veen Rames' uh, character was working with uh, his wife, yeah, to stop the other bomb. And, she, and he's like, "You need to go be with her husband," and, he, and she's like, "No, I need to be here with you, helping you stop this bomb." So that way, Ethan can go do his thing.
1: Man, what is Ving Rhames' character? Because his name is great. What is it? It's something majestic.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember.
1: Oh man. But yeah, for me, I do think, so far, Mission Impossible, Fallout, my favorite. Great villains, great um, action that made sense again. It wasn't like part four, uh, Ghost Protocol, where I just didn't like the flow. All of a sudden, they're driving through a parking garage. Luther, yes! That's it, Lex Luthor. That's why I thought it was Majestics, uh, because of Daredevil.
0: Yeah, it's a... I mean, this series is a fun series to watch. It's a great series, um, you know. I, I I would have to give like my favorite female uh, character. It's gonna have to go to Rebecca Ferguson. See, that's tricky because Vanessa
1: Kirby's just hot.
0: Well, Vanessa <laughs> Kirby is just hot, but I don't think she like her role. Even though she does her role really well, and she does, uh, M&A, uh and she does a. Uh, does a good job of like kind of bringing the same characteristics of what her mom Max had. Um, I just think with Rebecca Ferguson's character Elsa, Elsa being in two movies and having a you know carrying a soon substantial to be a third, <laughs> soon to be a third as well. Uh, and carrying a pretty substantial role in those in those movies, I think she uh, brings a lot more, her character brings a lot more to the series, and that's the reason why I like her a lot more. And it, and her character actually uh, complements Ethan's character, as opposed to hinders his character. Where like uh, Michelle Monaghan or whatever her name is, the wife, like her character, I think hindered Ethan Hunt. Even though it, like kind of like Ethan talks about like how she reminds him of what life was like before he got into the IMF, um, but I, I think. Because of that, he wanted to like retire. He didn't really go out and he wasn't he wasn't being him. He was being a different version of him.
1: So then here's the question after we get to 2024 and we're at Dead Reckoning Part Two and we think about Maverick. Who does Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt end up with at the end of Dead Reckoning Part Two? I think he's gonna end up with with Rebecca Ferguson if she's still alive. Or is he back with Michelle Monaghan?
0: I don't think he's gonna be back with Michelle.
1: I don't know. Just a thought. Here's
0: here's here's the, I, my dark horse. It's either gonna be Rebecca Ferguson, or he's gonna end up with the White Widow.
1: I think that would be too great. I uh, I <laughs> she's Tom Man, Please make it happen. I'm all I'm all <laughs> for you. I'm in your corner. She's young. <laughs> she's got plenty of villainy enough to do. <laughs>
0: She might have plenty of villainy left to do, but I think that's the one. I think that'd be the. I think that'd be the second one, uh, because you could tell that there was a little bit
1: of a spark there when he kissed oh, her. A bit. that was like psh, I felt it. I'm like, yes, please. I just got 800 miles in my electric car,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think he likes her, and she definitely likes him. Uh, But I don't think, I think he likes uh, Dalcy character way more. Yeah. So I think as long as she's still alive and he's still alive at the end of these next two movies, I think that's who he ends up
1: with. And at the end of the day, Vanessa Kirby really isn't that young. She just looks great. Yeah. Like she's, she's obviously got some good genes. Yes.
0: (laughs) 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 What do you want me to say? (laughs) No,
1: I mean, yes. Yes. And a nice dress. Yes. <laughs> great hair. Yes. She's got a great smile. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. All right. Well. Yes. <laughs> I got to pull this up. I feel like she's like 36. Does that seem right?
0: Uh I'd say probably, yeah. I'd probably say mid-30s to late-30s.
1: Ooh. Is she younger? Uh, She's 34. That's mid-30s. Yeah. We were right on. We know.
0: There you go. All right. Anything else you want to say about these movies? No,
1: I think Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, um, great job. Fun to watch. Lots of fun. Um, I you know, The one little sidekick I have to say is uh, with my kids, I typically watch these series, and I'll pick them up Friday night, and we'll watch one of uh, – it could be the Pirate of the Caribbean's weekend, or it could be Mission Impossible weekend, and we typically watch four or five movies throughout the course of the weekend if there's time. Um, mila has got a lot of work, and Aiden's got a lot of things going on too. But with that, um, one of the things they laugh hysterically about me for is because 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 it doesn't matter which one of these Mission Impossible movies I watch, there's always at least one article of clothing where I'm like, damn, Tom Cruise's jacket looks good there. I like (laughs) that jacket. My kids, they just look at each other, and they just laugh, and they're like, it's always about the clothes, Dad. And I'm like, I want that jacket. And it's very hard to find those jackets.
0: Oh, I got one other one here. Who's your favorite, like, sidekick of the group? Oh oh because obviously even hunt is the main guy but then he has all the other ones
1: see it's so weird because um i love what simon pegg does and so i think for me it has to be simon pegg's character
0: i agree i think <laughs> simon pegg is gonna be my favorite because he's also just another fun character he's like a fun actor i love a lot of his a lot of his work
1: yeah oh yeah like mission impossible was just the beginning of his reign of comedy you've got uh world's end you've got <laughs> oh uh, Shaun of the dead like great actor. hot fuzz oh, yeah and then you got him
0: as scotty in the star trek series
1: again uh dynamic yeah
0: yeah so uh i, I the one i wish would be a good sidekick but he just He's not in, in enough of the other movies, and I don't think even the ones that he's in, he has like that big of a role as is, is Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I think I think he could be like a, an incredible like add on, but I think the problem with his with him and his character, I think it would take away from Ethan Hunt. And that's probably the reason why he's not in it as much.
1: I think that's the struggle with me for being Rames too, for Luther, is that Luther is such a powerful character that he's not, like, I can't consider him a sidekick, where Simon Pegg plays the one little guy, so to speak, where he's like a sidekick. Yeah. (laughs) Ultimately, they're all sidekicks, but Simon Pegg fits. If the peg fits...
0: (laughs) Hey Simon, if you ever want to be on our show too, please. Yeah, we'd love to have you on. Let
1: us know you like scotch; that would be even better. We'll we'll play the shot of the dead. Do you can direct us in on your own short feature. All
0: right, uh, what's our scotch for next week?
1: Um, All right, yeah. So Noah has selected. I think something that could be quite a spectacular treat for next week. bags Taste Bud's Punctured Ardcore. Ardcore.
0: Uh Yeah, that looks like it would be it, the, the box or the, the presentation. The box looks like it's a lot
1: of fun. Like biting a spiky ball. Or spunky balls. I thought it said because
0: I didn't have my glasses on. Thank God it says spiky. <laughs> All right. So the topic uh, for next week to go along with this scotch uh, for the smart challenge is H.P. Lovecraft and his influence on uh, horror uh, movies and or stories. All
1: right. Or any anything you might to relate to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. One of these days we got to like pick the scotch that goes with porn. <laughs> that show's coming that show's coming that's what she said <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: all right the u s a to near. <laughs>
0: you want to say anything to the people?
1: Uh, thank you guys for watching. Please continue to give feedback. Got some great feedback this past week. Um, one, uh, why it was great feedback. I think for both of us is one we hadn't heard before. Wanted longer episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a weird one. Like Hell yeah. <laughs> this guy's on the same level. He's next level level up. Um, so, um, thank you for the feedback. Please drink responsibly, take care of yourselves and everyone else out there in the world. Uh, um and uh yeah give us feedback
0: yes please give us feedback and uh thank you once again for those of you who watch us on youtube and rumble or listen to us on any one of our uh, audio feeds whether it be Podbean, spotify uh audible uh, i'm not sure it's something uh, i i heart radio uh but anyways, thank you very much for listening to us. We do greatly appreciate that. And uh, if you did make it this far, once again, I do apologize for the last uh, last the last two episodes being uh, up later than our normal usually Thursday drops. Uh, but I will tell you I am feeling much, much better this week. And I'm pretty much over my cold. So uh, I expect everything to be running on schedule like normal. Uh, so with that, everyone, hopefully you have a wonderful upcoming week. And uh, cheers. And Scotchman. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month. Thank you, and hopefully, you have a wonderful year.